So supercapacitors uh, essentially have a static charge instead of a chemical reaction like batteries. They charge very quickly within one to two minutes, depending on the size of the pack. And they're perfect for opportunity charging because a lot of the times along your process, you might only get a couple of minutes to really quickly charge between each cycle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Robot Industry Podcast. We're glad you're here, and thank you for subscribing. And my guest for this episode is Conrad Curlio. He is with SEW, Max Solution System Solutions, and a lot of us know it is SEW, your drive. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Conrad. Uh, hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me on your platform. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about, about yourself and about how you got interested and excited about uh, robotics and automation? Yeah, well, for sure. Well, I mean, in secret, I'm a closet sci-fi geek. So anything to do with, you know, robotics and space and future tech is uh, my jam. And one of my favorite authors of all time is Isaac Asimov, who just happened to formulate, you know, the three laws of robotics. So a- anything to do with, uh, you know, with AI, robotics, machine learning, all that stuff is just, you know, right up my alley, right? So um, anyway, I've been working within the... Uh, industrial automation space now for about 18 years, coincidentally, always for a German company. Uh, I wore many hats over the years from, you know, business developer to technical sales, consulting to project management. So I'm proud to say, I guess, for the last 11 years, I've been part of the SEW family. Uh, And at SEW, I'm the brand manager for Max Solution, which is SEW Eurodrive's system solution division. Essentially, the company's integration arm slash OEM branch for AGVs. And can you tell us a little bit about who SEW Eurodrive is? And we mentioned in the warm-up, like I'm in a lot of factories and I see the SEW brand a lot. But for those people who maybe aren't in as many factories as I'm in, could you explain about who is SEW? Absolutely. I'd love to. So originally founded in 1931 in Brussels, Germany. So for over 90 years, SEW Eurodrive has grown to be really the the global leader um, for industrial automation. Uh, We have about 100 facilities in 90 countries. um, And amazingly, even to this day, um, SEV, as it's pronounced in uh, in Germany, is a private company owned by the uh, Blickel family. So in the event you're curious, SEV stands for Sedeutsche Elektromotoren Werks, which is the extent of my German. So hopefully I didn't butcher that. Uh, Yeah. The, uh, the company is active mainly in the uh, manufacturing industry. We're a very strong brand in the automotive as well as food and beverage, where, of course, you know, service, reliability, and uptime is key. Um, and important not to overlook um, our activities in mining and very large-scale material handling with SEW's industrial gear division. And these gears are you know, the size of a, a small truck, for example. Uh, but anyway, the core business of SEW is power transmission and industrial automation, meaning geared motors, servo motors, drives, motion controllers, decentralized technology, inductive wireless power, and all the kinematic software to kind of tie all that together. It's kind of unique because, you know, as a manufacturer, we also face the same challenges and we also have the need to automate our own processes. So we have developed our own line of AGVs. First, for our own internal use, followed by, I guess, the general release to the industry. So I would say the company now is running probably over, I don't know, a thousand AGVs. Um, and we've been doing that for about a couple of decades now. So all, you know, the uh, the bugs, um, all the uh, 
pains in, in learning um, and developing that technology we kind of absorbed uh, through our own internal use. Um, we, by the way, grow organically. We develop everything in-house. There is no third-party software on the vehicles or the fleet manager. If you happen to open up one of SCW's units, um, I would say 90% of the content is SCW hardware, um, with the exception of like cameras and safety scanners. So we're going to back up just a little bit. And because you are uh, an AGV expert and you're representing AGVs with SEW, let's, let's talk about what an AGV is. And of course, some, somebody's going to be walking their dog and go, what is an AGV? What does it look like? So can you tell our audience a little bit about what that looks like? Totally. But I, I also have to step back and sort of discuss what you know the AGV acronym stands for, because it might be a little bit confusing for a lot of audiences. Um, I've heard you know them being called autonomous guided vehicles or automated guided vehicles. There's other terminology like like uh, mobile industrial robots, MERS, AMRs. Um, so for us at SCW, we focus on the automated units. So in our case, our vehicles are actually automated guided vehicles. While AMRs would be more autonomous mobile robots, maybe a little bit best suited where the environment is more chaotic and it has to change. Um, to simplify, both types would follow a virtual path, have obstacle detection, and are safe for humans to be around. However, only the autonomous units would dynamically reroute themselves, which could affect your cycle time and most likely come with an annual subscription per unit. While the automated ones, I would say, are a little bit more basic, they have a predefined uh, path and they just follow that path. That path is virtual, so it doesn't have to be you know, the old school painted line on the floor. Uh, but they wouldn't reroute themselves dynamically. They might not necessarily do obstacle avoidance, and they would basically want the obstacle to be cleared by a human. Um, so very different levels of technology between one and the other. If I'm walking in a factory or a distribution center and I see um, an SEW unit coming towards me, it will stop or it will go around me depending on which one it is, right? Or if it sees a forklift or something, a box is in its way, it will detect that and it'll, it will navigate around that box or that person. Yes, um, totally. I mean, they're meant to be used with, with people around um, and other forklifts, although we always kind of laugh that um, can prevent the AGV hitting the forklift, but not the other way around. That's why you want to replace the automated, uh, sorry, the manually driven uh, forklifts. But uh, yeah, totally. The uh, the units have LiDAR that we always uh, use for safety as well. Uh, so we have 360 degree um, field of uh, vision and safety. We don't do SLAM per se. We do more like natural feature localization where we use the terrain to bounce off the light from our scanners to get that reflection to know where the obstacle is. That's a 2D plane. Uh, above that plane, we use um, 3D time of flight cameras. So we could totally see, you know, people or other equipment going through the path of, of the vehicle. It will stop. It will send signals um, to, to, to red flag that there is an obstacle in the way. Um, it's all programmable. So that behavior, what you want it to do, whether you want the AGV to send uh, a warning to the PLC or the warehouse management system saying that um, I'm blocked. But in our case, um, it will not go around the obstacle. It would stop and it would reset and restart itself once the obstacle is manually removed, but it would not go and do the dynamic object skirting or, or object rerouting. 
Um, that's the big difference. So in a, in a warehouse environment where you have pallets everywhere and you have a bit of a chaotic environment, you would probably need that. And the AGV would sort of go around and reroute itself and, and, and might affect the cycle time and because it's obviously going to go around in a manufacturing facility where you might be delivering um, hardware to an individual cell at a very precise cycle time, you don't want the AGV to take a different path and take an extra two minutes to get to its final destination. You want that product to be delivered very, very quickly. And, and that's the difference. So you have to keep essentially the, the path clear. And where are you seeing growth in the industry? Like which sectors and which types of facilities? And you you go all across Canada too, right? Yeah, my obviously our clients are, are, are national. Um, well, it could be any facility with AGVs. I mean, they're not um, they're not cheap. Uh, so the ROI um, gets a lot better when the customer is running multiple shifts. So two three shifts. You know, in the past, the traditional customer would be the automotive customer, where they are highly automated and they run three shifts. Uh, food and beverage is also now very, very highly automated, and they also run 24-6, 24-7. Uh, the cost of technology is coming down. So in, you know, in the past, you know, it would be the, 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 the larger companies. Now it could be any SME, SME, um, that would be able to, to purchase this equipment. And, uh, essentially I would kind of draw parallels to the EV market where, for example, Tesla would start off with, you know, the higher models like the Model X and S, where, you know, you have to have uh, deep pockets to afford that. And, you know, now you have the Model Y and Model 3. Uh, I think the same thing with, with, with AGVs. They are becoming a commodity product. The prices of technology is dropping now. Um, any SME can um, afford the product. But, you know, if a customer wants to improve productivity, if they want the flexibility of, being able to scale up their uh, production, you know, they can use AGVs if they have a very chaotic environment and it's not safe because you have forklifts driving around everywhere, uh, then, you know, safety could be a driving KPI for you. And then you would want to use AGVs in that case. And what are some of the average applications for you? I mean, it's material handling for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it, I mean, it could be, it could be any application really. And anything that's dangerous, anything that's repetitive, anything that's, uh, you know, monotonous, if you will, which could be just a simple application, doesn't have to be complex, like I said, to justify uh, the tech. Um, so, you know, transfer to and from storage, feeding a manufacturing cell, driving to shipping, anything that's like low skill, low value add, but necessary could be replaced by a vehicle, right? So for us, the way I see it um, to achieve a balance between like a human robot collaboration, we want to strive for the human to really do the value add along the manufacturing process and the robot to handle the routine tasks. Um, so if, if we were to, let's say, take an SEW manufacturing process, for example, because like I mentioned, we use our own vehicles, um, we deliver parts of motors and gear motors to the assembly cell um, using AGVs, or we would actually use the AGV as a mobile workbench. So we would actually build things on top of an AGV in a progressive type um, assembly. Could you give us an idea about some of the payloads and kind of the popular uh, AGV model? Yeah, for, for us, um, I would say anything that's 500 kilograms up to 1500 or higher would be good. Uh, we like, you know, the, the big, heavy, dirty and, and bulky. Um, so we prefer, you know, the larger type of vehicles. It's just better suited for a high voltage hardware. Um, but I would say, you know, the sweet spot is like, 
500 to 1500, uh, where, you know, we're really good at the style of AGV. Um, usually most customers kind of envision this platform type AGV that's very, you know, low to the ground, very boxy. And that gives you, um, the advantage of using that as a, as a base to install what we would call like a low handling device, which could be maybe like a conveyor or some sort of a lift. So our most popular drive arrangements would be omnidirectional. Um, drive arrangement where you can go in basically in any direction, you know, left, right. You can do that, that crab walk, um, in a very confined environment. That's really good. Uh, as opposed to like just by directional movement where, you know, you have to actually turn or pirouette and you have to look at, you know, your turning radius. So omnidirectional, I would say is, is one of our, uh, go-to, uh, type arrangements just for, uh, flexibility. And that would probably also be our segue maybe to one of your future questions is what the energy storage would look like, because that's very unique to what we do for a living. And it's very unique to what we try to deploy in our AGV systems. Yes. And so what is different for SEW uh, energy storage uh, systems? Yeah. Um, so it's a, I guess it's a two-part question, a two-part answer. At SEW, our preference is actually to use supercapacitors on most projects along with MoviTrans, which is our inductive charging method. So supercapacitors uh, essentially have a static charge instead of a chemical reaction like batteries. They charge very quickly within one to two minutes, depending on the size of the pack. And they're perfect for opportunity charging because a lot of the times along your process, you might only get a couple of minutes to really quickly charge between each cycle. So that's true opportunity charging. But they also have... Uh, a bit of a smaller energy density than batteries. So you might actually need more of them. So again, better suited for the larger payload vehicles where the form factor of the vehicle might be bigger and now you have the opportunity to essentially cram more supercapacitors. So uh, storage capacity and life is not affected by temperature on supercapacitors. It's not affected by the number of cycles. It's not affected by the charging amperage or the depth of discharge. Well, it's not affected by anything. So supercapacitors are rated for up to 100,000 working hours and 1 million cycles. So if you crunch this on your calculator, because I can't do that in my head, that's over 11 years of running your unit at 24-7, which is insane. So imagine your your phone or, or any of your electronics lasting 11 years. That just doesn't happen. They don't build it that way. Um, because they don't use supercapacitors, they use batteries, right? And uh, just to point out that we don't use supercapacitors just for mobile applications like AGVs. We can install them on any application with any regenerative loads and are actually, you know, we can recover some of that energy when the motor is acting like a generator. So a perfect example of this is a stacker crane in like a warehouse, like an automated warehouse, right? When the load comes down, we can harness that energy and store it inside the supercapacitors for future consumption on the next cycle instead of just dissipating that heat in, say, a breaking resistor. So if you're running a cold um, cold storage facility, like a cold warehouse, normally you know that energy would be wasted. And not only that, it would be dissipated through like the brake resistor. So you're actually adding heat into an environment that you're paying to cool. Right. So it's, it's really, actually a really good fit. So I'm not sure if you um, ever noticed all these uh, storage warehouses popping up everywhere off the um, major highways. Uh, but typically, if those are high, they're high racking and those are 
essentially automated. Uh, so this tech would be perfect suited for a lot of that stuff because we can make that whole facility very green because we're recovering a lot of that wasted energy. And then um, on the flip side of that, we favor the use of wireless inductive power uh, for mobile machines, right? So this is SEW's MobiTrans product. We introduced this back in 2005. So this is not even new technology and this is not even sci-fi. This is simply the inverse of a transformer where you have the primary coil that's embedded in the ground. That would be your um, the form of a line cable. So that would allow you to have continuous charging or charging lanes. So if, if you have a very simple you know, loop for your AGVs to run, you can put that line cable everywhere and you can actually get rid of, not only getting rid of batteries, which we don't use anyway, but you can actually get rid of supercapacitors and essentially power that vehicle nonstop and have zero energy content because you're wirelessly powering that vehicle throughout the entire um, driving uh, distance, right? Um, it's perfect for a wet and dirty environment. Um, so, for example, if you are running um, AGVs and you're using LiDAR, which most AGVs use for navigation, um, you can actually get rid of um, some of those uh, LiDAR scanners um, which they wouldn't really be suited in a wet environment or a dirty environment anyway. So you can actually get rid of that altogether and use the electromagnetic field um, to actually navigate. So it's like a two-for-one. You're, you're charging the vehicle, and you're also using that to navigate. Um, there's another form of that. Um, it's called spot charging that allows AGVs to leapfrog from one charging puck to another. Um, so tons of cool different applications. But yeah, very neat stuff. So I wanted to change the conversation a bit and ask a little bit on the more of the sales side, like who buys these mobile robots? Is it plant manager? Is it the president? Is it people in operations? Um, yeah, I, w- I would say that depends really on the customer's driving factor and the KPIs that they're setting for the company. So maybe the plant manager would be responsible for, you know, making the plant safe. So he would opt to automate that process instead of having a manually driven tugger or a forklift do it because as you know on friday afternoon before a long weekend people are ready to check out or maybe people are coming into work and they're just kind of tired after a long weekend and you know safety is is a concern for 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 let's say the plant manager perhaps the operations manager wants to increase the efficiency and the flexibility of his uh, of his factory so he might put in agvs um just because he can scale them up very quickly so if your process gets more demanding if um if you need to um, increase your throughput you can just keep adding agvs versus if you have a conveyor a fixed conveyor increasing that throughput of that conveyor is very difficult right everything snowballs so if you want to go faster you got to increase maybe the motor power if you increase the motor power um snowballs into increasing the inverter maybe the fuses maybe the cables as you can see it, it just becomes very very inflexible and perhaps um the president or the owner is uh, interested in uh, reducing the operating costs and circumvent some of the labor shortages. So he might put an AGV for that reason. And so if I'm interested in uh, like a SEW system for my warehouse, what's the process to like to reach out to you and maybe order a system? Um, yeah, so obviously we would sort of have our first uh, initial uh, conversation just to try to make sense of the process and see if that's a good fit for our uh, technology. Usually the most important part is um, trying to decipher uh, the process and understand the customer's process as well as um, as they do. 
uh, just because you can't just drop in an AGV and just expect it to work. Most likely you are tweaking the process to accommodate that AGV. Probably at some point of that sales cycle, that means a uh, visit to um, to site to, to look at potential pitfalls, maybe look at the environment and understand that process. Then we would uh, basically select the right appropriate um, charging method and the energy storage. Uh, we would do the simulation to figure out how many vehicles that customer would actually require based on the cycle times that they feed us. And then that would determine maybe, you know, if, if you go with contact charging versus wireless charging, as you know, if you do contact charging in your parking spot, then you're removing that AGV offline for a couple of hours to charge. That means you need an extra AGV, which actually adds to your, your uh, ROI. So we, with that case, we would kind of look at the simulation, figure out, hey, you should actually put in inductive charging and charge the AGV on the fly. And that way you actually don't need any extra vehicles to compensate. So in the long run, you could save the customer hundreds and thousands of dollars um, in you know removing the number of required AGVs. And I wanted to ask you too about control systems and you know say what happens if there's other autonomous robots on the floor, such as a, a forklift. So there's always going to be another control system in in place, uh, especially if it's like a like a brownfield type project where you're working with an inherited system. So typically that's like a warehouse management system or a, or a, or a SCADA system, PLC based things like that. Um, so at SCW, we actually designed our own vehicles to be VDA 5050 compatible as a default. So a lot of your listeners are going to go, what the hell on earth is this VDA 5050 standard? So it's actually, it's been initiated by the German automotive industry. It's a standard interface for AGV communication between like the AGVs and the master control, aka the fleet manager, right? So what essentially this does, it allows for different brands of AGVs to be controlled via one central fleet manager that the customer might be running, as opposed to brand-specific logistic controllers. So what does that mean? Essentially, the, the customer can get different types of AGVs, different form factors from different suppliers, and they will all have the same uh, protocol standard. So it doesn't really matter. The customer can mix and match AGVs from different suppliers around the world. That's kind of what we see going forward. Uh, customers having you know a mixed bag of, of AGVs and they all have to talk to each other and to one central controller versus you know talking in their own individual language. So it's like a common universal language for all uh, brands out there. What One of the things too that I did want to touch on is what kind of accessories are you putting on top of the SEW units? Um, yeah, so some of our base units would allow you to actually pick up things from underneath, which means you have to put like some sort of a, a stand um, to elevate the pallet and the AGV drives underneath and it would have its own um, lifting devices. But for other applications, uh, we integrated um, conveyors, uh, chain conveyors, roller conveyors. Usually that's very specific to the application and the customer. Uh, we integrated scissor lifts um, as an alternative to those internal lifts that I mentioned. But that's sort of the stuff that's unique to each customer and each application. And that's the local know-how, right? So um, you would get units from Germany, uh, sort of like off-the-shelf units, and we would basically modify them to suit the application. But this is where our expertise kind of come in, uh, in play. So as a partial machine builder, we have the capability of 
designing this custom load handling device for the customer, or we would work with their engineering firm uh, to make sure that it would integrate well with the base vehicle, because obviously the base vehicle would have to provide the power for that load handling device. So either way, whether we are involved with the design or the integration, it's a discussion to be had because um, the AGV needs to power that sort of tooling and we would have to integrate that. So we would work hand in hand to design that and make that um, seamless. Thank you for that. And I wanted to thank you for coming on today and, and ask, did we forget to talk about anything? Yeah, maybe we, we can briefly mention where the uh, CW units are produced and uh, who supports them because we are global. So maybe that's uh, important for customers that have facilities uh, worldwide. So majority of them come from SCW Germany, um, either complete um, or as a base vehicle ready for custom tooling like I just talked about. So we would have the local expertise to obviously assist customers with that local design. Uh, but from my personal experience, regardless how many you know standard vehicle models you have, um, there will always be specific applications requiring modification, essentially almost a ground up custom design. So SCW Germany is very good at that because we have essentially a modular concept uh, building AGVs, right? So like a core product, which are, you know, the gear motors that we are known for, we don't have like an off-the-shelf product. We assemble base to order. So we can combine all of our little, you know, subsystems and, and what we call them modules and bundles to create a very customer-specific, application-specific AGV. So we can do that in Germany. Um but again, due to our mobile construction, sorry, not mobile construction, modular construction and, and modular concept, we don't shy away from that custom. We actually prefer custom. AGVs are very expensive to begin with. So might as well get something that checks all your boxes versus trying to get something that's kind of off the shelf and trying to like massage it into place. Might as well have that very unique application specific solution. Um, and this is where I'm going to drop my little bit of a Easter egg. And I want to mention that SEW Canada is also working on developing a forklift AGV using all these subsystems and, and bundles and modules that I just mentioned. So um, we're just essentially creating a new form factor AGV, but it's a forklift AGV that I hope SEW Canada has uh, on the market uh, very soon. So that's that's my little Easter egg that I would like to include in there. Oh, no, that's great. So it'll actually be built in Canada. Built in Canada with local suppliers, 100% Canadian, which is something that we're very proud of. Obviously, it helps us to to support the uh, the local markets, but we are very, very proud of uh, having that local expertise to be able to make something like that. And we'll probably be exporting to, to uh, Germany, hopefully. Yeah, uh, we all follow the same uh, ANSI standards in North America, so... Um, you know, once it's ready, this this is good to go for uh, for Canada, U.S., um, and Mexico. Uh, the mechanics of it, they can be used anywhere around the world. Maybe different uh, countries have their own um, different local electrical code. Uh, that's the easy stuff. That's that's what we do for a living, right? We're an automation company to to be able to retrofit that very quickly for the local market for Brazil or Germany or or you know South Africa or Finland, for example. No problem. We can do that. That's that's what we do day in, day out. So super excited about that. Well, thanks for that. And uh, when you're not automating and integrating and keeping people safe, what uh, what do you like to do? you have any hobbies? Um, I like to read. I like to do a little bit of woodworking, landscaping around the house, hands-on stuff. 
usually stuff that gets me distracted a little bit from uh, from work. But like I mentioned earlier, I am a sci-fi closet geek. So, you know, w- watching shows and building things, uh, making things go, um, that's kind of my jam. That's great. And how can people get a hold of you if they want to find out more about uh, AGVs? Uh, yeah, they can find us on LinkedIn. They can find us on Facebook. Uh, they can look call their local SEW um, sales rep and just uh, mention that they're interested in some of our technology. And I'd like to reach out to the uh, Max Solution um, division and we'll get uh, connected. Our sponsor for this episode is Earhart Automation Systems. Earhart builds and commissions turnkey solutions for their worldwide clients with over 80 years of precision manufacturing. They understand the complex world of robotics, automated manufacturing and project management, delivering world-class custom automation on time and on budget. Contact one of their sales engineers to see what Earhart can do for you. Email is info at airheartautomation.com and Earhart is spelled E-H-R-H-A-R-D-T. And I'd like to acknowledge A3, the Association for Advancing Automation. They're the leading trade association for automation, robotics, vision and imaging, motion control and motors, and the industrial artificial intelligence technologies. You can find them at automate.org. And if you'd like to get in touch with me at the Robot Industry Podcast, you can find me, Jim Beretta, on LinkedIn. Today's podcast was produced by Customer Attraction Industrial Marketing. And I'd like to recognize Chris Gray for the music, Jeffrey Bremner for audio production, my business partner, Janet, and our sponsors, Earhart Automation Systems.